0: Over to 1 Corinthians, and chapter 2. How many of you were here still uh, thinking about when we were talking last week, I know it's kind of a bombshell that we talked about last week, about the gospel of the kingdom and that there's a good possibility, as I'm going to try and share with you today, that although the gospel, Jesus died on the cross and he paid the price for your sins, and if you believe that you'll go to heaven, that's a gospel, it certainly is a gospel, but it is not the gospel of the kingdom. And it says in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 4 that when Jesus was here, he went all about preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing as, as a demonstration of that gospel. Healings were happening, deliverances were happening. Uh, as it goes on and on and on, Jesus' life was a demonstration, wherever he went, of the kingdom in manifestation. Manifestation. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom, he was saying that if, the, if there's a healing in your midst, then what happened? The kingdom of God has come near you. If there's a demonic deliverance, I won't pick on you, Rebecca, if there's a demonic deliverance for this person over here, then what's happening is that that is a demonstration of the kingdom of God coming near to you. And so when we are understanding the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the point, the manifestation, the, the result of the gospel of the kingdom being preached is that you will see all of these supernatural things going on around you. And, that, and, and Jesus said, when you see those things, what you are seeing is the kingdom of God has come near you. <clears throat> the key then, as he begins to uh, uh, outline for us, let me, just, or let me, let me uh, focus on this one. Because remember we were talking last time, the difficulty that people have is that when we already think we understand what the gospel is, and then somebody comes to us and says, well, no, actually, this is the gospel, then we kind of go, yeah, whatever, and we don't really get the, the weight of what it would mean for the New Testament kingdom to uh, unlock the, this particular truth. And so here we are in 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 2, go with me to verse 8 there, and it says that none of the rule, or let's verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, we're going, to, we're going to encounter that word again in a moment. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so here we see that as Paul is talking about the gospel, one of the people who used the term the gospel the most was Paul, and he's telling us here that if Jesus had been going around all of Galilee preaching and teaching the gospel, the gospel being, I'm gonna die on the cross soon for your sins, and because you believe that I died on the cross for your sins, you get to go to heaven when you die, if he would have been preaching that, as the as the scripture says in Matthew and Luke and, and Mark, if it would have been that what he was saying, as he went around, then you kind of wonder how come the princes of this age, which that word princes could mean the religious leaders. It could have been the government leaders. It also could mean the spiritual leaders. Oftentimes this word is used in a, in a demonic context. But he's saying that if people would have known that Jesus was going to die on the cross, then they wouldn't have done that. If Jesus says, well, you know, I'm going to die on the cross for all of your sins. going to set you free. So let's go go to heaven and be with your father. If he would have said that, the rulers in every one of those groups would have known, don't crucify him. How about cut his head off? How about just let him live out his days and we'll just make fun of him the whole time? Be fun. They would have done that. The the, the reality is that when Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he wasn't saying anything that we would presently say is the gospel. Now I'm not telling you that Jesus died on the cross is not a gospel. If you refer, if I can jump ahead, if you go to Paul's teaching, he refers to something as the gospel of Christ. Not Jesus Christ, by the way, the gospel of Christ. Now that in a person living in that day would have said it like this. The good news of the Messiah and so we recognize, okay, if I, know what, if I could imagine after the crucifixion what the good news of the Messiah would have been, I would say, well, the Messiah did come, and he did die on a cross, and he was a sinless lamb, and he did pay the price for our sins, and because he paid the price for our sins, nothing is preventing me to going from heaven, going to heaven. And so we see that there is a gospel of Christ. The problem is that started being talked about after the crucifixion. It wasn't talked about before the crucifixion. That leaves us the great question. What was it Jesus was talking about before the crucifixion when he went all about Galilee, preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing and delivering people as a result or as a demonstration that the kingdom of God has come near them and that as they understand how to unlock The principles of the kingdom, these what we call miraculous things were happening all around when, in fact, all that was happening was just people were understanding how to tap into a spiritual ability, a spiritual strength that has been here all along, it's just been locked up. Nobody was able to unlock, well, maybe a couple people did every now and again, but by and large, even though, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, people were able to get little bits of the kingdom manifesting, but they didn't understand how it was happening. Even today, we would say, I just, it's a miracle, but you know, it's... I'll come back next week. Hopefully, I'll get my miracle. Maybe it'll be my lottery numbers will come up and God will give me a miracle. Or, you know, maybe if Pastor Ian is really anointed today, I'll get my miracle. Or, you know, if they put, change the lights from blue to red, I think that's what it is. And Because I see every time that the red lights are on, then miracles happen. You know, we start building all kinds of understandings around how things happen when we don't know how they happen. Well, what are we going to talk about is how do they happen? See, when Jesus was here, he didn't just say, hey guys, I'm really good at this kingdom of God thing, so let me just show you some really cool stuff. <laughs> I wish, you know, it sure would be nice if somebody else could understand what I understand, then there would be two of us who look awesome up here. Mm. Jesus didn't say that. He showed us, by this simple scripture, the Bible, saying he went about preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then he intended that everybody, the reason he was teaching us about the gospel of the kingdom was because he wanted everybody to understand the things that he understood about doing supernatural, living a supernatural life. The problem is, is we just got this thing really confused. We started talking about the gospel and we started saying, oh, I know what that is. And we never went back. We read through our Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as many of you probably have. And you read those words, gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom. And you go, I know what that is. Except it can't be what you thought it was. Right. And then in Matthew chapter 24, it says that this gospel of the kingdom is so important. It's literally a piece, uh, the major piece of the time clock of God. And it says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation. And then, and then the end will come. You know, we have movies about, you know, there's wars and rumors of wars and that must mean Jesus is coming. No, the scripture says there's wars and rumors of wars. That means Jesus isn't coming. We know he's coming when this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation and then the end will come. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? Can we spend some time on that? Let's talk a little bit about why this is so important in the, uh, in the reality of things. I'm going to read you now the gospel of the kingdom. How many of you would like to know what that is? Turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. Just drop your Bible on the ground. It'll just open there. Let me read it to you. And again, Jesus began to preach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to them so that they got into the boat and sat by the sea. The whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his teaching, or your Bible might say in his doctrine. Have I got it up there? Let me go over to, I'm going to go to the King James because I'm used to reading it in the King James. How many of you love these electronic devices? You know, it's not great to read out of your Bible, but it sure is great to preach out of them when they're easy to maneuver. And he taught them these many things in parables and said unto them in his doctrine, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass that as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured them up. And some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And the other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60 and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, he who has ears to hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were about him with the twelve, asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery, we had that word already, of the kingdom of God. But unto them that were without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all the parables. And so let me draw your attention there to verse 13. This was the verse that when I started studying this way back in the beginning, before I even had any understanding of what this scripture was, I thought it was an offering scripture, like most of you. And when Jesus began to talk about this, this is when the season in my life where God had said to me, I only want you to read the red letters. I want you to go over them and 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 over them. And don't even read the commentary of the black letters between the red letters. And I spent a good season of of time, probably months, just going from Matthew to Revelation. There's a couple of bits of reds, different places, right? And reading them over and over and over again. And when I saw this particular scripture, verse 13, and Jesus said unto them, know you not this parable, how then will you know any of the parables? And I felt on the inside of me that God began to talk to me about the reality of parables that literally the entire scripture is a parable. David's life, is his life was real to him. To me, it's a story. The Genesis account is real to Adam and Eve, but to me, it's a story. Revelation was real to John, to me, it's a story. And being able then, to see the, the, and understand the story, that's the key. You see, most of what Jesus said, often he says, uh, as a matter of fact, he said, Jesus never even said anything that wasn't a story. Because Jesus wanted to make a division in people. He wanted to know that all masses come up this way, and he wanted to know who went this way and who went that way. He's not deciding who's going to get in to the kingdom or not. He's releasing to us the understanding of how we get in and leaving it up to us to be deciding whether we are going to go in or whether we're not going to go in. Watch what he says here in uh, at verse 11, and he said unto them, now Jesus told them this little parable, the parable of the sower, what we understand the parable of the sower, the guy sows, and then there's some that the birds eat, and there's some that are in the rocks, and there's some that it's in the weeds, and there's some that are on good ground, and he shows us all about those things, telling us very significant things about those three or four, as it were, places. There's the, there's the birds, and then there's the stones, then there's the thorns, and then there's the harvest. So there's four different levels that Jesus begins to talk to us about. But in verse 11, he, verse 11, he says, because all of his guys, his disciples, come to him. So this is, let me just show you what's happened here. When Jesus is out there talking to the masses, and there's thousands of people by this time that are coming to listen to Jesus, and it's escalating because he taught this same message everywhere he went. I'll prove that to you in a minute. And so he's got a massive group of people that are there because they, they might have found out that he heals people. He might have found out that he delivers people. He might have found out that he gives free lunches to people. There's all kinds of different reasons why people were coming to Jesus' meetings. He tells them this same story that he tells them everywhere he goes. Whenever Jesus starts a conference, he always starts with this teaching. And then he had these 12 people, his disciples. Oh, it could be more than 12. We know of 12, depending on when he's telling the story. There could have been hundreds, but there's this group now. Let's say there's the 12. And the 12 come up to him and they say, Jesus, you know, you're, you're just messing with us because You know, can't you just make it plain? Give us a one, two, three kind of thing. You know, it's so much easier for us to do it that way. But Jesus said to them, I'm telling you this in a parable for a reason. It's a story for a reason. It's a children's story for a reason. And he said to them that, watch this, to them that are without. What that means is there's a bunch of people out there in the auditorium and there's a bunch of people back here in the green room. The people that came back in, the guys are out there, they're still wondering whether they can get the fish and the loaves for lunch. There's a couple people that aren't concerned about the fishes and the loaves. They're not in the healing line. They're not over there in the deliverance tent. They're hunting Jesus. Because they want to know, what the heck did you just say? He says, them that are without, listen, this is what's so important, because this is not who we think Jesus is. We think Jesus is, you know, he can't wait to inject goodness into every single person. All you needed to do was go to a Jesus crusade, he was gonna bop you on the head, that was fun, bop you on the head, (laughs) and everything is gonna turn out fine. This is telling us Jesus was separating the group into two sets of people, and he refers to them here as those that are without, and then by assumption, those within. And there is a difference between these two people that we need to identify even before I go on and teach you the story that you probably already know. If you read your Bible, you've already got through this. The important thing is not at this point, as you could tell from the, since the beginning of the year, that it's not really important when I teach you how simple it is to step into the kingdom of God and to begin to experience the blessing and increase and goodness of the kingdom of God. It is so easy, it's going to make you yawn. The problem is, because most of us are in the, they are, these are they which are without. And I'll show you why in a minute. If we don't do this one thing first, then we will dismiss or very much marginalize the power of the gospel of the kingdom. And here's what, let me read you what, the, how, how, what it says. Uh, oh, I'd have, to, I have to, go to go to Matthew chapter 13. Because it's, it's a very key reality that if you don't get it, and this is where I think that we have gone wrong in not really understanding the power of what Jesus has said. In verse 10, now this is Matthew 13, this is how I know that everywhere Jesus went, two things, everywhere Jesus went, he started teaching this parable. Because first of all, he says, you have to understand one plus one before I teach you what derivatives are. And so if he's saying that you have to understand this before you understand anything else, then obviously as a good teacher, he's not going to waste his time teaching you something that you aren't ever going to get. He's going to start by teaching the first piece. He's going to first teach us what one plus one is, and then he'll teach us what you can do with the concept of one plus one. Not just, oh, here's all the great things. Watch, you can raise the dead, walk on water, feed 20,000 people with a fillet fish sandwich. People go, uh, what? You can't do that. <laughs> That's what you would do. Because to you, it's just impossible. It's a miracle. It's like, I don't know how this happens. That's why the kingdom today is doing that. It's going, look, wow. Did you see that? How'd that happen? Oh. If you start by the result, then you, 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 you never understand how it happens. But if you understand how it happens, and then you, can, then you do it, then it's like when the doing of it happens, you go, oh yeah, that's how that happens. Imagine somebody coming uh, uh, from 300 years ago, 400 years ago, being catapulted forward in time. And you walk into the building and you go to the little white, that little white plastic switch on the on the wall there, and you go click, and the lights turn on, and he'd go, whoa, that's a miracle, and he'd be looking at me saying, where's the wires for that microphone? I say there are no wires. Whoa, he would not, he would be a miracle to him, not a miracle to us. We understand the technology. We know how the wires go to the, from the, the power station to the light bulb, and it's, it's going, oh, yeah, that's just a light bulb. Right. We have those now. It's no big deal to you. It's not a miracle. You understand it. Yeah. When we understand how these things happen, we're, it's going to be an explosive thing that happens in the kingdom of God because it's not just going to be, I don't know how it happens. Hope Maybe come to church. Maybe it'll happen for you, too. No, 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 we'll be able to show them how it happened. Where was I? Verse 10, Matthew chapter 13. So when you're looking at the gospel of the kingdom, as you're reading this, as you should, over and over and over now, you're looking in Luke chapter 8, first Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, mentions again in John chapter 12. And so you see this same story being repeated over and over and over. Little details are added and little bits and pieces of great revelation are added to the different ones. But by and large, this is the same story that is being told over and over and over and over and over again everywhere that Jesus went. What's the key? Look in verse 10. And the disciples. It starts off. And the disciples came to him and said, why speakest thou in parables? It Starts off by saying, and the disciples. Now, we use that word to refer to these bunch of, you know, the posse of people that hang around Jesus and do kind of the dirty work. That's not really what that term disciple means. If I was a, you know, if there was a martial arts person here or something like that, and I would you'd bring them up here and they say, well, I am a disciple of sensei boopty-booped. <laughs> what does that mean? That doesn't mean you change the garbage, although he may change the garbage. That's not really what that term means. What that term means is that a disciple has already decided, I want to be like the master. I'm going to forget about everything that I understood before being with the master, particularly those things that he's going to say or do that I would not say (laughs) or do. Can I tell you what? There's a difference in the kingdom of our day. The kingdom of our day is more like, I want to go to a church where people say what I want them to say. I want to go to a church where they talk like me. I want to go to a church where they don't offend me. I want to talk to people who are the same color as me, the same gender as me. I want them to dress like me. I want them to look like me. I want them to watch the same programs on television. I want them to vote the same as me. Whoa, okay, easy now, easy now. Don't start, listen, no no rioting in the church, please. That's different than it was in that day. See, we are in the place now where our understanding of what it means to be a disciple has completely changed. That's why, for the most part, the the New Testament, what we experience as modern-day Christianity, are really more like the people that Jesus is saying are in this group here. They're in the without group. They already think they understand what they need to understand. They're not looking for any other information. They're just coming because Jesus is cool. And maybe you can win a free car or something like that. Get a lunch, get a healing, fix my husband, something. I'm really looking for Jesus to just do something for me. I'm, I'm really not looking for anything to change my life. I kind of think I'm already okay. And so when we are doing that, when, when Jesus is there and he's talking about this story, you know, this woman goes in and she loses a coin in her house and she sweeps up the house and she finds the coin and everybody celebrates, hoorah, people go, great story, when's lunch? They don't know what the story meant. Here we have the story of Jesus when he's saying, you know, a sower goes out to sow and when he sows, and these are agricultural people. You know, it's like saying, well, you know, here's this person who got into a car and drove to Tim Hortons, got a coffee, and came home. You're thinking, ooh, that guy's boring as anything. That's what he was saying. We might even be interested. You know, how do you get tomatoes? You plant tomato seeds. Is that news to you? Maybe. In that day, that's not news. The guy goes out and sows, and sometimes it lands on the, you know, on the pathway, and those are no good. And then sometimes it lands in the stones, and that's no good. And sometimes it goes into the weeds, and that's no good. And then every now and again, it goes into when you actually get a harvest because it's really good soil. And they're going, yeah, you're boring as anything, buddy. Because <laughs> they weren't looking for anything. They weren't looking to see what was Jesus saying. They didn't think he probably even knew anything. They are probably like us. They were thinking, you know, in the Old Testament, the prophets used to come into town, shazam, shazam, do a couple of whipty doo dahs and then they're going to leave. They're not teaching anything. Jesus is coming along, and he's actually going to show them how to do the things that he's doing. He's, humans don't do that. You know, you go ask a rich person, you ever done that? You see a rich person on the street, and they say, how did you get rich? What do they answer you? Hard work and real estate. <laughs> they won't actually tell you how they did it. Right. <laughs> they don't want you to know. They don't need the competition, right? right? So every human being is like that, except this guy here, Jesus. He kinda comes on the scene and he raises the dead and says, listen, do me a favor, don't tell anybody. Well, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, you know, people would come to Jesus' meetings not to see Jesus, they came to see Lazarus. He's like, where's that guy that got raised from the dead? I want to shake his hand, man. Not realizing, because Jesus was so unassuming, that there's a guy right over there who did it. And he'll teach you how to do it. The only problem is he's going to tell you about some guy who's got a seed bag and he tossed it on the ground or something or other, and I don't know. What, 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 what happened? These are these guys. Probably 95% are these guys. And 5%, probably that's generous, are those guys. That, and the problem is, simply in our state of mind, and it's the problem in, the new, in our day today, because we got the gospel wrong. Not wrong, I know that that's heresy. You notice no lightning bolt hit me, so... I'm not saying her- heretical things. I'm saying that when we came into the, new t- into, into the kingdom, this last hundred years or so, have been a lot more interested in getting people into the boat by any means possible. Jesus is coming back tomorrow, so we don't need to worry about anything other than getting people into the boat. By hook or by crook, we got to get this done. And if I got to make you afraid and tell you that you know what, you don't want to go to hell, so here's your little insurance policy. So, you know, as I get you afraidy enough, then I'll get you to get savedy enough because I got you afraidy enough first. But you don't do things in the kingdom with fear. You do them with faith. And so when we do all of those type of things, we don't do what was supposed to happen, and that was you make a decision. If Jesus is Lord. You don't make a decision. You remember in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross so that you could have forgiveness for your sins and go to heaven when you die? Does anybody know that doesn't say that? Romans 9 and 10 says, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, that term Lord is the word is a word that means supreme commander. You see, when we believe that Jesus is the supreme commander, that he's the guy who knows everything about everything, Mm -hmm. that changes our relationship to the things that he says. It doesn't matter how simple the instruction is. Like I I was talking to uh, Mark Trinder yesterday. We were hanging out over it. Anyway, some hole in the ground somewhere. And the... And I said to him, I says, Warren Buffett said these, these amazing words. And I love these words, simple, simple, simple. He says, I'm gonna leave enough money to my Warren Buffett is a multi-billionaire, bazillionaire, whatever, you know who I'm talking about. So he says these amazing words, and he says, you know, I'm gonna leave my kids enough that they can do anything, but not so much that they can do nothing. And so now that's simple, right? It's just like, wow, you know, wow. It didn't have to be crazy. It's just when you see, when you hear words from people, you can tell that they understand something. And then when you, when you revere them for their accomplishments, then you go, wow, what a great way to think about that concept. You know, when you have this, I forget this other, whatever his name is over in the States there, I think he's the president now or something. <laughs> when you look at the way, he's been a billionaire for a long, long, long time, for the full age of his children, and yet you see his children... are are such good people, then you realize that there's something about them that has a credential like that. And that makes it, not not if you can be flowery or you can talk on camera, these of things. Can I tell you something? You can learn all that stuff. You can have the crappiest character in the whole wide world, but you can really whip it up on camera. Can I tell you something? Let me look at me. All you need to do what I do is a really, really cool shirt. You know, in the end of the day. Where was I? Jesus. Jesus is Lord. That concept put the disciples' inner workings in a particular position. That literally, whenever Jesus said anything that they did not understand, the first thought they had was, I need to go understand that. You see, most people, even in their day, Jesus said something that they didn't understand, and they move on to the next thought. How many of you ever know anybody that always talks in metaphors? like stories, everything is a story. Can I tell you something? I adopted this practice, as you probably see the jokes hanging on the other side of the church here. I adopted this practice quite early on in life because I was raised Catholic and this is always something that I saw as a valuable way of communicating for the very same reason I think that Jesus did. I'm not really interested in trying to force my opinion on you. I'm more interested in sharing my opinion with you and giving you the option of taking it or not, because I understand the weight that falls upon somebody who causes somebody else to adopt what they believe. You know, Millstone and all that, we will not go there. You see, the great responsibility of an influencer is that you will be eternally responsible for those you influenced. Yeah. And so a lot of what goes on in our world today is our world is very intrusive. Beep, 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 beep. Every two minutes, somebody is trying to intrude into your life and give you their opinion. In the kingdom, we don't do that. We we don't intrude with our opinion. We give people the option. This is what Jesus was doing. He was telling them a story that had the the deepest of all truth, the mystery, it says, of the kingdom of God is in this story. The the mystery that has been hidden since the beginning of time is in this story. This is the greatest treasure story of all treasures. When Jesus talked about, you know, the pearl of great price, this is the pearl of great price. When he talks about the field that you find and you sell all that you have and buy the field to get the treasure that's in the field, this is is the treasure. He was not referring in a sense to himself, which is what we always think. Certainly Jesus is the great treasure, but if you can't get the great treasure, then it's not really a treasure. If it's inaccessible to you, then you can't get it. We know Jesus is the word of God personified in the flesh, but if you can't become the word of God personified in the flesh, there's no advantage to you to knowing that you that it's that it's there. You can't get it if you don't understand how to unlock it. And the first way that we do that is to understand how or understand that what Jesus is about to tell us, he knows what he's talking about. And if we would just listen you hear all of those references in this in this particular section. I talk to them in parables because them that are without, they're not interested. Why? Because Isaiah tells us that hearing they will not uh, will not understand, seeing they will not perceive. Their minds are Matthew says their their minds have grown dull. They've become dim. They're just not looking for anything anymore. They've settled. They've stopped. I already know whatever I want to know. I already know it. So I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what you have to say. I really don't care anymore. I just want the sandwich. That's what. This is what was happening here. And this is the same thing that is happening in our day today when God is revealing to us what it's going to take for the kingdom of God to go from this present losing position to the place where it literally fills the whole globe with the blessing of God, with the kingdom, the expression of thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the way, this is the combination, this is the lock that unlocks all of that is what Jesus is saying. But if we remain in the place where we say, well, this is just a cool message, whatever, we don't realize this is not just a message. This is the message. Now we hear preachers say that all the time. Josh was saying that to me the other day. You know, I hear preachers say this is the key. Yeah, I know we say that, but <laughs> this. Come on. Let's read. Do I have time to read? No, we'll do it next time. This is what, this is what you need. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that the Holy Spirit is not letting me teach you what the gospel of the kingdom is. <laughs> the key of it is for each one of us to deal with our humanity. The humanity that might have said, I'm already disappointed, I'm already disillusioned, I'm already not going to try. I just want somebody to heal me. I just want somebody to bless me. Can I get... And I'm not saying we're not going to do that. I'm not saying that's not, that's not good. I'm saying that we've got... We're in the spot right now, as I said to you last week, where this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation, and then the end will come. And now the end will come maybe 500 years from now. But this revelation of how to get the word of God from, the, from the, the pages of your book into your heart in such a way that it produces 30, 60, and 100-fold in your life is the key to the next 1,000 years in, in the Amen. kingdom, if Jesus waits that long. We are going into a season right now where the understanding of the gospel of kingdom is going to become the central message, just like Jesus died on the cross has been the the central message for the last 2,000 years. The reason that so many people have not been able to get into the kingdom is because the revelation before Jesus died on the cross is this revelation. Because how do I believe if I don't understand how to believe? How do I understand if I don't know how to understand? Do you understand? You see, when it goes like this, and you get the right things in the right order rather than us preaching. You see, we would say in our culture, it's easy to believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus died on the cross. It's easy for you because right, right. you were raised in a, in a society that believed all of these things already. What do you do if you're, a, if you're raised a Muslim or you're raised a Hindu, you're raised an atheist, or you're raised a Buddhist who, are, who have been told this is all wrong? Now what do you do? If you understand the simple mechanism of changing from one belief system to another and we start building a kingdom around that structure. Now, when we release the word of the Lord that Jesus is the savior, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died on the cross for your sins. Now a person just doesn't go, wow, that's really cool and come up to the altar and pray a prayer and then go back and forget everything was said. Now they understand, okay, this is what I have to do to step into the kingdom of God. I want to step into kingdom, I can see the benefits, I can see the power, I can see the goodness of the kingdom of God, I just can't step into it. And I tried to go to church, I tried to pray a prayer, I tried to go to altar, and I'm not saying that doesn't work for some people. The problem is is that there's 6% that it works for, statistically. The other 94%, they came to church, they went to the altar, they prayed the prayer, they went home, nothing happened. That's not acceptable statistics. If we understand, if we will open up our minds and begin to understand how Jesus said this happens, now we can start dealing with that statistic. Somebody that wants to get healed, they come to church and some people are able to get healed at the altar, that's awesome. Some people get healed at the altar and they go home and then within a couple of days they have the same problem again. That's not denying the power of God at the altar. And some people get it and they never lose it. And some people don't get it at all. It's like if I was your car mechanic and I said, you know, I'm good for about 6% on fixed rates. I'm I'm still 120 bucks an hour, but, you know, just can't guarantee it's going to work when I give it back to you. You see, that's what we've done doing in the kingdom. Can Can we be honest? Where we've said, you know what? We have to be not those people that complain about it. We have to be those people that are ready to rise up into this understanding. The way you do that is the same thing that Jesus was dealing with in the day. All of his disciples were Jewish people. They were all raised in an understanding of the New Testament. Not the Old Testament. They all thought they already knew everything there was to know. But they came and they said, no, this guy, no, this guy's different. This guy has the words of life. This guy told us how this works and then worked it and it worked. Mm -hmm. That's totally different, right? It's not like we just tell you how it's going to work and then, okay, go by. No, 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 he showed them. That's why they were able, the ones that were closest to Jesus, who saw what he did over and over and over again, they said, no, this, is, this guy is the supreme commander. I'm not fighting anymore with what he says. I'm not trying to, to find all the things that I agree with. It's what we do, right? Most people, they rem- after I preach, they remember the jokes, because it's not their fault. Our culture has made us lean towards people who say things that we want, rather than lean towards people who say what we don't want. So we haven't learned the mechanism of controlling our minds in such a way that we can actually hear things that contradict what we already believe. Those are the ones you're looking for. You know, when Pastor Tina and I would go to a conferences, we don't go as many today as we used to, but when we would go to conferences, I wouldn't go to conferences of people who are just gonna say the things I already heard them say. I wanna hear something that's fresh. I wanna hear what I don't already know. I want you to talk about a scripture that I haven't read before, or I have read it, but you're gonna give me deeper meaning. I'll just sort of, yeah, okay, 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 until you say something that I don't agree with. Listen to me, until I say something that you don't agree with. When I say something that you don't agree with, that's the thing you want. Otherwise, you're wasting your time here. Is that true? I mean, not, it's, not, it's not bad that we'll just have fun and just, just have talk about what we already, already believe. We're looking for the things that are things that I have not yet said or haven't thought. Or if I was to say what this is, I would not have said it like he said it. That's, we have to learn the skill of picking that thing out and saying, okay, that's what I need right there. I got to find it. I got to study it. I got to get information on it. I got to go ask Pastor Ian or better somebody else who might know. <laughs> go and ask, go find out, seek it, seek it, seek it, seek it. That's what these guys did. That's the within people. The within people identified something about what Jesus was saying, and they said, I don't understand what you said back there, and so I'm going to wait my time, and then when I get Jesus by himself, I'm going to say, Jesus, could you go through that one more time with me? Sorry, can I get the tape? I'm sorry, did you, could you have a minute? That's what it's going to take, folks, because... Anyways, do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? This is why when Jesus was talking about this, he gave them the children's story, and then he said, okay, now be careful. You gotta focus right now, because I'm gonna explain this to you, but if you don't listen, if you don't focus on what I'm saying, you're not gonna get it. It's gonna just go over your head. You gotta be ready to dig it out. You gotta be ready to mine it. You gotta be ready to get it. Does that make some sense to everybody? Put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm gonna get it. I know this revelation is going to set forth a great wave of faith. A wave where the words of God get into the hearts of men and women. I know know. it's it's going to change the world. In Jesus' name.